This is the Magic Word Podcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Podcast.com. Well, it's deja vu all over again. Here we are again waiting for our magic carpet for the Southwest Airlines and with a uh, Dunkin' Donuts and a couple other magicians in tow, and we're on our way to Cleveland, Ohio, for the Magic Collectors Expo. Uh, I've got with me Dick Olson. Hey there, Dick. Hey, Scotty. And also Charlie Randall. Hey, Speedy. Hey, Scott. He, he's excited. Sorry, sticking a donut in his mouth. These guys can't talk right now because I have enticed them to uh, join me over at Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, we're going to be going here today. Uh, today is Tuesday. This is going to be the 19th and 11th of May for this convention, meaning that it will be over Thursday night. The activities will begin later this afternoon. Charlie and Dick Hatch are going to have an HR Magic Books uh, uh, booth there. And uh, usually the collectors have a lot of a lot of books and uh, there, as well as uh, other ephemera, you know, posters and props and things of magicians uh, past. So it's a different kind of a of a convention. Then tomorrow we take the buses to go to some of these other guys' homes to see their private collections and everything, which I'm excited about. So this is going to be just, uh, again, a lot of fun for this particular convention. It is unique from others in that it is specifically for those who are collectors and who are interested in our histories, our magic histories past over here. Uh, so, hey, they're getting ready. Believe it or not, uh, soon going to be calling us to start lining up. So uh, I'm excited about this. Hope you guys are, too. We're going to see you on the other side in Cleveland. But before we do, let's see what Scotty's eating today. <laughs> so a Dunkin' Donut. And, yes, you guessed it right. There is a chocolate chocolate and a Boston cream with chocolate icing on that. That's great. So uh, I have not yet tried my coffee. We've got some nice hot black coffee here. That is great. That's some that's some, some good coffee. Good coffee. <laughs> what do you mean? Charlie says you're not supposed to slurp. Yes, I do. Just so that's way that you know how good that coffee is. Good and hot. Not too hot, but hot enough to, to drink and enjoy. Well, we're going through Chicago on the way to Cleveland, and so it's... <laughs> But ugly early in the morning right now. It is uh, about 5, not even 5.30. We got up at 3 o'clock this morning in order to get here. Uh, it's the same flight that Charlie and I were on a couple weeks ago when we went to, uh, where did we go last time? Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, we 4F convention. Man, these conventions starting to run together a little bit. And uh, next week, I'm going to uh, be releasing a uh, another podcast that's with uh, Dale Sowick. And after that, then I'm going to be heading to Pebble Palooza, so there'll be another convention. So kind of have another gap in between so that you kind of know what's going to be coming up. All right, well, I'm going to uh, take a bite of my donut over here before we start to load up soon and head through Chicago to Cleveland. And we'll see you on the other side. This is Scotty Out. We have just arrived at the uh, Collectors Magic or Magic Collectors Expo in Cleveland, and we are at the Marriott, and it's a lovely hotel. And of course, one of the first things you do is check in and go through the registration. I'm here with Larry Dunbar, and he is working behind the registration desk. Hey, Larry. Howdy. How are you guys doing? We are all doing fine. So, also uh, now, how many people are registered this year? I know it was a sold out. I'll talk to Bill later. But do you have an idea about what it was? I think it was 200 200 he's, yeah he's talking to gene anderson there right now don't want to interrupt right now and so uh have you been working with registration just this year you've been doing this for a while or just this year okay i'm uh, with the lance burton and friends show mm-hmm. and so i'm part of that group and yeah. I, well we know bill and lance and i'm just helping out right right 
I've been and, and talking about that. I know that you guys have been traveling a little bit. I've talked with Fielding a, a little bit about that and kind of had some some dates on and off, you know, here and there. When's the next uh, place that you guys are going to be appearing? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky in June. What's uh, the date, you know? That I couldn't tell you. We have uh, five shows to do. We're going to do an East Coast run this time. The East Coast, you're saying? Yes. Because most of the time you've been kind of in the Midwest, I guess. Isn't that right? The uh, West, yep. West side. Yep. Yeah, on the West side. So now you're going to kind of hit the East Coast over there. You guys are going to be going. I know Lance going to be going to Abbott's later this year. Are you going to be going to that as well? I believe so, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this will be our third year there, and it's been fun. Yeah. So uh, any uh, exciting things that are happening that you know of uh, this year? For this convention? For this convention? Yeah. Well, the two trips we get to take tomorrow to see everybody else's collections. Yep. And that's going to be Bruce Havercock and... Uh, That I couldn't tell you. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Have to look and see who it was on the agenda over there. Yeah. Well, good. Hey, Bill. You got a sec? Okay. How many people are registered, by the way? I got about 180. 180. There's the answer that we were looking for a while ago. We'll talk with him for more details then a little bit later. But, yeah, he's just getting the dealer's room all set up, and it is still early in the day. Everything. I think the dealer's not open until, what, 2 o'clock? 1 o'clock. Okay, and it's only about 1230 or so then now. So I'm going to go get a bite to eat because I'm getting kind of hungry. Larry, thanks very much. So the Magic Word Podcast, that was Larry Dunbar. Scotty out. We are now having a little bit of lunch. We just uh, registered, as you just heard, with Larry, and now we went over to Five Guys, uh, along with uh, Lupe Nielsen. Lupe is here with me now. Hey, Lupe. Hey, how are you doing, Scott? I am fantastic. So good to see you here all the way from Las Vegas. You bet. So no, we didn't miss this convention. What all are you bringing? You're a dealer here, I guess, as well. No, I'm not. You're just hanging out as I'm, a I'm just collector. hanging out and looking pretty. That's it. It's a lot of fun. Not in that order. You're looking pretty and you're hanging out, you know. <laughs> you bet. Now, you're working on a whole heck of a lot of stuff. We were just talking as we were walking over here about some of the stuff, like the Dean's Box, the stuff that you're preparing for Magic Live. So tell me about some of the stuff you're working on. Well, basically, I am. Uh, I have uh, three projects. Right now, I'm working on a piece of furniture uh, that you will, you will see posted. I'll post it on my social media. Uh, that's for a, a, a magic uh, establishment. A, a, I'm making 150 of these boxes. Hopefully, I'll have enough boxes to keep in stock for quite a while. Because you sold 100 of them already, right? I sold 100 last year. Yeah, and then there was a demand, so I'm making a few more. And then I'm making a few little custom, custom odd little projects that, uh, you know, they come and go and so on. And I don't even know my number on over here. Yeah, they just called our number. Thank you very much. Sorry, yeah, I got a milkshake there too. I think so. Sorry, we are we are dining. We're we're eating here. This is so casual. It's amazing. If you guys at the at the podcast have never been to to a collector's convention, you better you better come over because they're a lot of fun. I like how casual they are. This is the first collectors. Uh, no, no, I, I, I've been going to collector's conventions since I was hanging out with Norm. I know you were going there with Norm. I remember in, in some of the years past of sitting yeah. there and you had posters and everything. Yes. So speaking of the posters, I know that uh, Gabe Fiore had sold all the, your poster collection for the most part, but you still have some left. Oh, yeah. No, he sold. Uh, we sold two thirds of the collection. I still have one third of the collection left. And are you looking at perhaps eventually selling that or do you have any plans now or what? Uh, not right now. I I might put some stuff on eBay eventually, uh, but because you see, when we bought posters, we used to buy sometimes one or two posters from a collector, but we had to buy all his memorabilia. So you'll find that uh, I might be putting a lot of memorabilia towards the end of the year 
are probably on venues like eBay or selling it to auction houses and whatnot. But uh, yeah, to get one or two posters, had to buy the whole kit and caboodle. Oh boy. Yeah, so so I have a lot of that. So. so there's a lot of stuff that's just okay, but not what you wanted to collect. Uh, no, there's a lot of programs, photos, uh, letters. A lot of ephemera. Yeah, ephemera. A lot of ephemera. So, uh, but our concentration was mostly posters. I know in your house you've got a couple of things like uh, I think there was a uh, isn't there a Chungling Sioux that's your favorite? That's the big one that's hanging in your living room. Is that? Uh, let's see. There was there was a favorite Chungling Sioux. Oh, there's there are so many. I love the Ten Assistants, for instance. Yeah. And uh, I love a, a other Sioux that we have, like the Gift of the Gods is a favorite one, and so on. Uh, but the big one that is hanging in the living room is a unique poster. It is uh, an Okido poster. Okido, that's what. Yeah. Sorry, because yeah. Norm worked with Okido, right? Yeah, Norm. Norm learned to build magic from Okido. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and uh, we. I remember when we found that poster. It was from a collection in somewhere in Finland, and this guy had it, and is a unique poster. And Norm. It had almost tears in his eyes when he saw that poster for the first time. And it is a unique poster. He made a good offer to this collector and is now hanging on our fireplace in the living room. I was going to say, of all the posters you have, I think that's the one that is most important to you that would be the last to go. Uh, that'll probably be that, that, that way, yeah. <laughs> well, we probably ought to eat while our hamburgers are still warm. Thank you very much, Lupe. Good talking to you all. Thank you. It's good to see you always. <laughs> Seeing you too. So the Magic Word Podcast. Uh, that was Lupe. Uh, see my cavity coming in. But we're going to eat. We are in the uh, dealer's room still, and I uh, am sitting behind the booth with the fellow who wrote the book of Ionia, and it has been selling very well, and he's been uh, going around talking about this. And when I say he, I'm talking about none other than Charles Green III. Hello, Charles. How you doing, Scotty? Fantastic, sir. So tell me, you said that when you had these, I heard you say you only had like three that were damaged or something when you first bought them? Or? So no. So I had all of my books. They've sold really well, fortunately. They've been shipped all around the world. I've not sold a book overseas before or done a lot of shipping. Fortunately, only two have been damaged in shipping. Wow, so I learned how to pack them well, and I learned that secret from Julie Ang. Oh, really? Okay, yes. yeah, I guess because she's in Canada, she ships a lot of stuff for uh, their their company. Well, she ships a lot of stuff internationally, a lot of big books. She's now working on the uh, the Rich Cabinet Project of, of Eddie Dawes, and she told me the secret of, like, if it shakes in the box, it's not wrapped well. So make sure it doesn't shake, and wrap it an extra time with bubble wrap, because there's some person, something's going to happen... And with a book like this, a heavy book, a good cover, people want to get their book in perfect condition. Pristine condition, obviously, as if that they bought it here from you directly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good tip. You know, if you, people go back to listen to the episode that Charles and I had done, you get some also some good tips on how to bake a, a French French bread, right? Was it or French baguettes from baguettes, France? Yes. Ba- not bagels. Not <laughs> Different bagels. area of the world, but French <laughs> baguettes. And uh, I'm now back to baking those. So uh, you have a few more of these left, but you're going to do another run after these are still first editions right now, so or these, first printing? These are still first editions. It's a beautiful book. And now I'm going to do, and I'll tell you this and all of your listeners, there is going to be a second book. Theoretically, this would be called a prequel. But I, once the book was printed and published, I continued to look for more information on Ionia and the family Devere. Yeah. I really have not found anything new about Ionia, Clementine Devere. 
but I found a lot of things about Charles Devere that are new. So places where he performed, uh, different people that he had business relationships with, uh, more things about his first wife, who was an actress. Then the person he was with in long partnership with, Julia Foray, who is not his wife, but was the mother of his eight children. And then I found things about his second wife, who was Isabella de Portugal, and she's the one that was with him at the end of his life. I found out where they lived. I found some letters of hers. I've been reading her original letters of their life together. So there will be a book about Charles Devere that is totally different from the information already printed. Is some of this information going to be shared? Are you going to be giving a talk here this year at the convention? Well, not this year at the convention. So I'm not speaking here. I'm just here to visit with my friends and support Bill, of course, and have a great time at one of the great conferences. But as I go to... I'm going to Ghent, Belgium for the European Magic History Conference. I'll be speaking there about Ionia, the place where she was born. And we'll be delivering some of this information, but there's a lot more. Yeah. When you lectured last year when we were in Austin, I, I went to a lot of magic lectures. And, of course, this was a collector thing. And it wasn't like you were teaching tricks. But you did have some slides you were showing. And it was the best formatted lecture I have ever attended, the way that you were talking, walking back and forth across stage, got into the audience as you were continuing to talk about the slides, because people were interested in seeing the pictures because you had a lot to show, but the way that you were then walking up and down the audience and it's just very casual and everything was all, you know, from your mind without notes or whatever, is just one of the best presentations I've seen. So people who are interested in having somebody who is completely different and outstanding, I highly recommend you contact Charles Green III to have him talk about this book and hear his lecture about Iona. It's fantastic. Well, Scotty, thanks very much. And one of the reasons I've, I've, I've learned about how to do presentations is I've seen a lot of bad presentations. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean magic presentations, but corporate audiences just sitting around during trade shows and conferences and seeing a lot of bad speakers. I also went to something called the Presentation Summit. It's the place where people who put together PowerPoint, literally from scratch, they work with Microsoft, they're high-level presentation designers, I've worked with them and learned their secrets about how to do a good presentation, how to put together a PowerPoint, how to be able to walk around a room and not look at your slides. Right. So it's very extemporaneous, but yet you still have a format that you're right. following. And you do a great job. That was good. Thank always you good very much. Always good seeing you. I'm glad that your book is still doing well. And I look forward to seeing the prequel maybe sometime in the future, too. It'll happen. <laughs> I promise you that. So the Magic Word Podcast. That was Charles Green III. Scotty. We're now at the Houdini table with Arthur Moses uh, from Fort Worth. Hey, Arthur. Hey, good to see you again. Good seeing you as well. In fact, I saw you just recently on Collector's Call on MeTV. That was kind of a neat experience, yes, wasn't it? Yes, that was a great and fun and exciting experience. I love the way they did the program. Now, how did they contact you, or did you contact them, or what was They the... contacted me. They found me through John Cox's huh. uh, Wild About Houdini, and John recommended me or told him to contact, and there was a whole vetting process. Uh, which took months, yeah. uh, back and forth, of, and then uh, some Zoom calls with uh, director and producers, and uh, it all came together. It just aired, as you said last week, yeah. uh, which was the end of April of right. 2023, and we did the filming in September. So, Oh, really, last year? Okay. Yes. Well, I remember when Ash Adams had posted something on Facebook saying, I can now finally talk about this because it has been hush-hush. Yeah, we were sort of sworn to secrecy and uh 
So we couldn't say anything until yeah. literally, I mean, I got an email a few weeks before that said, now you can promote it or tell, you know, friends and family and, and whatnot. And when I mentioned Ash Adams, what happened was that Ash was, there was a lady, first of all, who was kind of the interviewer, if you will, talking to you about your thing. And then Ash was kind of saying, here's what I think the right. market value might be. And then uh, he finished with a magic trick then at the end. But did you have several kinds of things prepared or how did yes, you determine part of which? the vetting was, you know, what do you have and uh, what would you think would be of interest? And, and I had sent them many photos back and forth. Well, you know, what else do you have? What else do you have? Um, we, they shot 11 items. Uh, they featured six in the program. So some things fell on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And it was their choice of how they, uh, cut it and, and edited it. Um, I didn't have any say at all. And as I understand it, this is the first collector's call program that I've seen, but apparently they do this each time that they have two people and one person always offers somebody else saying, Hey, would you trade right. something? And in this case, they, he wanted to trade you one of these uh, original graphics. Right. A graphic novel with Houdini. For a key. For a, a Houdini key, which I have many keys, as you know, if you saw the program. Yeah, well, I've seen your house. <laughs> yes. It was enjoyable. Stay. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and reality TV is, you know, not always what you <laughs> But this really see. was, pretty much, was it? <laughs> um, <laughs> For the most part. No comment. <laughs> okay. okay. But it looked great on TV. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, for people who didn't get to see this, and maybe overseas don't have it, me TV, is this available on YouTube? Is it available someplace that they can watch? I, am, I know there is a bootlegged YouTube version of it because um, they were real specific. Don't, do not upload. Um, I do not know if you can go to the MeTV website and and watch past episodes mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll have to do my own homework so i'll know how to answer that better and if there's something that's bootlegged on youtube more than likely it'll be taken down i suspect i would think so once Wouldn't they find out i mean it's the full episode but it was not supposed it's about to be a half hour i mean you didn't yeah. share it with anybody it was all you right yeah it, it's uh, and that's their format yeah of, of you know they have lisa wetchell who's who's the host and if you remember i'm sure most people would remember she was on uh the sitcom and family the, ties uh no uh the fact, the was it facts of life. Facts I believe. of life. Yeah. It was a facts of life. Yeah. And uh, Lisa was one of the schoolgirls. They were yeah. all at a private girls' girls' school. And then they have, they find or choose or you know you help find uh, an appraiser. Right. And so that and then Ash had to go through a vetting process. Oh, he did. Yes. Okay. Interesting because they could have used somebody else, but Ash yeah. did a great job. I thought. Yes. Oh. Perfect. Then he yeah. shot. I mean, since you guys are friends to begin with, right there in Fort Worth as well. Yeah. Well, listen, I see someone with money over here at your table, so I'm going to let you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you nice very much. Talking Good to you. To talking to you. That was Arthur Moses. Scotty out. We're in the dealer's room, and you can hear all of the uh, noise in the background over here. But speaking of noise, here's someone whose voice rings clear, John Cox. <laughs> there, there, John. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It does. I mean, your voice rings clear when it comes to uh, Wild About Houdini. <laughs> yeah. When I talk about Houdini, I get very loud. <laughs> speaking of which, that was great. I was just talking to Arthur Moses a little bit over there about his uh, appearance on the collector's call. Yeah. That was kind of cool you yes. saw that obviously yeah yeah very cool arthur's yeah. great what a perfect place for for them to go to well and you and i had been to his place beforehand you know so it was kind of cool 
that uh, for us to kind of see that. So oh, I remember standing there, or, you know, this 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 prop or whatever. So it was yeah, it was pretty cool. He's got a few new things too. It oh, appears he's that adding. I was telling him okay. it seems like there were some things I wish you would have brought out. You know, like. Uh, Houdini's pajama pocket or something a little bit different, you know. Right, right. I guess he said he had about 11 things that uh, they had shot. They ended up just doing six of uh, the things they had done. So what is new since you and I talked last time? Can we talk anything about the secret project that we were discussing last time? Uh, which secret project? The, secret the Copperfield project? Well, that isn't secret anymore. Okay. I, I revealed that on my blog. We yeah. got the voice audio, all three cylinders transferred, and we've heard Explain the what that is. Um, well, Houdini's voice was, uh, he recorded his voice to wax cylinders. Only two of the three have ever been transferred. Only a very short piece of those have been heard. But um, with David's blessing, we did French tr fresh transfers. There's a whole cylinder that no one has ever heard of Houdini reading a poem in German written by his father. And uh, just a very, very exciting thing. That's been on my bucket list. Try and get those uh, those. Those saved, and they're saved. And also the fact that you could kind of hear him in conversation as opposed to being on stage and talking very stiffly like this. It sounds well, very cool. Well, that's what's interesting about the poetry cylinder is that it's him and his sister, so you do capture some moments where it seems his voice is the more, his more conversational voice. It's not that much different, though. He still talks in that very deliberate, every, hits every syllable, but yeah. it's a little faster, and you can tell it's a little less presentational. Yeah. So what else is uh, new that's uh, been on the blog that people should, that they may have missed? Well, that's been the big news. Uh, yeah, oh, that is big news. I'm here to talk about Houdini in Cleveland. You will be surprised how much Houdini history is in Cleveland. This is a great Houdini city. Did not know that. As I was coming from the airport, I realized this is where Superman uh, was born also. I mean, the comic book series, apparently, the fellow who first drew him for the comics was from Cleveland. I didn't know that either. So there you go. There's a tie between Superman, now Houdini, as well, in Cleveland. There you so, go. There you go. <laughs> so when is your talk? Tomorrow? Today? Uh, Thursday. Thursday morning. Looking forward to that. John, as always, very good to see you, man. Great seeing you, Scott. <laughs> it's a Magic Word podcast. That was John Cox, Scotty. I am in the dealer's room here now with Adele Friel Renderis. And we have had her on the podcast here before, and I am so glad that uh, you are here. It seems like we can't have a collector's meeting without without you. So it's so wonderful to have you here, Adele. Thank you so much. <laughs> I can't believe I'm here because it's been four years almost since I've been to a magic convention, and I had to get here. And if it weren't for Ben Wynn and his mom, Michelle, I'm here. And it's amazing. I'm so happy to see my magic friends and to get back and in, in touch with people again. Because person. where we've been visiting with each other has been on uh, David Sandy and Lance Rich's uh, Collector's Corner. It's been the place we've been seeing you most recently well, during COVID. And they, yes, I, I was, I on the magic collector's yeah. corner with David Sandy and Lance Rich. Yes, I, uh, I signed up to get on that Zoom meeting, mm -hmm. and they asked me, could they uh, ask me a couple of questions? And I said, sure. And then they did, and I didn't know what they were going to ask me. Yeah. And um, when they did, I had uh, uh, all kinds of questions, and then the, the audience was giving me questions. And then they at the end, they said, will you come back again next week? Right. And I said, sure. 
and 42 weeks later, I was still with them. 42 weeks later. It was fun. I loved Something it. Something different every week, too. It was, it was every week, every Sunday for 42 times, 42 weeks. And, um. It was a regular and, column, Ask Adele. Pardon me? There was a regular column called Ask Adele. Yes, but what happened was we never rehearsed. Mm. I never knew what the questions were going to be, just like you just now right. started with me. Yeah. And um, and they gave me questions, and if I didn't know the answers, I said, I don't know. And yeah. and then if I knew them, I talked forever about it. So. Sure. Well, you had a lot of really great stories and everything that everyone really enjoyed. That was one of the highlights every week that we would look forward to because— your the clarity of mind and the stories that you told is almost as if they happened yesterday because the detail saying oh I remember this lady whatever her name was or she was wearing a green bola or a red feather <laughs> the detail you put was amazing <laughs> yes I remember the things that are important and and I've lived them all so I know that and it's I didn't know magic was going to be so important to me when I was on the Blackstone show. Because it was just another job for you as a dancer, right? Uh, when we when we traveled on the Blackstone show, I didn't go to any magic clubs. I didn't go. To, I didn't know musicians had conventions, mm -hmm. and I just I didn't know that. Yeah. And to me, it was a gig, and I was making good money as a teenager. So I I loved it, but I didn't get to meet all these magicians. And then when I came back, and it's a funny thing because. I didn't know a lot of, I didn't know renditions. I didn't know who David Copperfield was. I didn't know a, a, a lot of the most of the people in this room I didn't even know about mm -hmm. until I got, came back to magic 54 year, years later. It's, and now I can answer questions and I know yeah. who they're talking about. <laughs> it's kind of funny when I was talking with Gloria Day. I don't know if you ever met Gloria Day. Yeah, I never met her, but I admire oh, her. What a lady. I went to visit with her, and the same kind of story. It's kind of like when she, at the time, was not thinking, I'm the first female magician, for that matter, the first magician. But she was a magician. Yes. That's different That's from right. an assistant. Correct. To work Las Vegas. And she said, when I was doing it, it was just another job. I didn't think anything of it. And then I just, after a couple of weeks, I went back to L.A., and then I had another show in Mexico or wherever. And it's just like, it was just like with you. You don't really think about the long term or what you're doing as far as being a uh, the first to do something. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I think I think it's amazing that she was found, mm -hmm. and uh, that there were stories about her. And she oh, Lance Rich was amazing in finding she, her. Yeah. She made the headlines, and she was on the pictures and on magazines, mm -hmm. and I I just love that, and mm -hmm. I'm so proud. I wish I could meet her. Yeah. I don't know if I ever could, but she's a hundred years old now. Well, she passed. Uh, she she passed. Uh, oh, she passed. Yes, away? about six months or so. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Shortly after her hundredth birthday. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. After we're finished here, give me a little more story okay. on her. I would love to know. Okay. Because she was sort of like my hero. Yeah, she was to many people. Not just women. I mean, she was just a hero to a lot. And there are so many things and stories that she had as far as they were. Um, uh, the things that she had done in the movies, you know, working with uh, Cecil B. DeMille and the Ten Commandments. And, of course, that she was working like as a jungle queen or something, you know, yeah. of these serials. And so she was amazing. So, Well, I think Lance Rich did a, a nice piece on on her for one of the magazines. Yeah. 
And um, so I admire her, and it's, and I'm glad that she was found, but I am sorry to hear that yeah. she passed. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, Adele, it's great seeing you as well. So much, so great to catch up with you. I'm glad that you are here. I'm so glad you're here. And 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 I hope I can go so to some more conventions and meet you again. I look forward to it. I love you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. That was Adele Friel, Rendrous, Scotty out. While we're walking around, I thought it'd be interesting to, uh, since Alexander has passed, uh, Ale- not Alexander the Great, that's another one who passed even longer ago, but <laughs> as far as Alexander, who you've seen all the posters over there, but there is another uh, a site called Ask Alexander, but we can ask Bill Kalush because he's right here. Hey, Bill. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Scott. So uh, you are the uh, curator of not only Ask Alexander, but also the larger, I guess, the Umbrella Corporation of the Conjured Art Society? or Conjured Arts Research Center. Research, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're a nonprofit organization, uh, which I started 20 years ago. And uh, we not only collect material, but we archive it and scan it and digitize it. And that's what Ask Alexander is, is a repository of about 3 million pages wow. of of it's magic searchable material. for people searchable to and uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool features and it all started because I was writing a book about Houdini and I wanted to keep the notes organized so we had just rudimentary uh, software what and year would that have been this was 2004 oh okay not so that long ago not that no but 19 years yeah right so that we didn't we started scanning things and we started building our own index and. I, I found a, an email not long ago where I was crowing one of the people I was working with about it. Like, hey, we've got this is up to 60,000 pages. You know wow. how exciting it is. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, now it's in the millions. And it's really, it was really meant to just help us with that book. And then it took a, on a life of its own. And a little so at time you start hiring people, I guess, to kind of do the research and add to it. We, 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 we'd already started, I already had the library going by then. <laughs> But we then we hired people to specifically, we have librarians, it's their whole job is to stand and, and scan material all day, every day. Wow. Um, we had a, a, a woman, its whole job was to translate from um, maybe from five date languages, depending on her career. She added languages. She had five when we, we hired her, Lori Piper. Um, she worked for 15 years until she passed away just doing that, just translating magic material into English. Into English, wow. So we're, we've got a, the organization doesn't have a lot of employees now because of COVID and because we just moved everything from New York to New Hampshire. But uh, we've had lots of employees cataloging and keeping things, organizing things. And and you're also working on new kinds of technology all the time, different ways of digitizing and trying to use more Audible like this. Absolutely. We're always looking at new things and uh, reassessing our index and whether the OCR technology is up to date. And I'd love to put audio content into our database and and it's something we've we've thought about for a long time but haven't actually acted on but this might be the right time because of some of the tools that are coming around to make it searchable and there are different levels of membership for people who want to research and also whether it's by the month or the year or whatever too absolutely there's several levels there's a free level um, you don't even have to log in, and you can actually search what we have there. It's just you can't see all the con- – you, c- you could find out how many times Charlie Miller's name showed up 
But you might not be able to see the content unless you're logged in or you're in our library, depending on the copyright status. But you could just go in from a, any place in the world and search and see what, what references we have. Well, the reference you just made of using the word copyright, I would think that would be one thing that uh, I, some things would be out of copyright after a certain period of time. But the newer things that are coming out, do you have to contact the author, the publisher, or somebody in order to get rights to to print this, or because it's for research purposes, everything's open? Because we're a nonprofit and because of... 501c3? 501c3, public charity. Uh, we are by... We, we statutorily have the right to build this library and digitize it. Mm -hmm. Making it available in full content worldwide wouldn't be allowed unless we had to deal with every every trademark, or I mean a copyright holder. But a lot of the magicians have given us just rights, like Todd Carr says, yeah, just you can put my books in there, it's fine, Mike Caveney, people like that have given us carte blanche to do that and make the material available. Um, the out of copyright material we put in, if it's if it's in that gray area, we might put it in, and if anybody complains, we do something about it. But we do try to honor copyrights. We understand that people make their living from this, and we don't want to we don't want anybody to, to lose any book sales because of what we're right. doing. But even if we can't give you the whole book, we can index it and give you tell you that hey, yeah, the, what the word you're looking for is on these pages. And you can go buy the book or take it off your own shelf and look it up. So it's we, handy to know. That's completely legal, and yeah. we, we can build an index that way. That's great. That's great. Well, Bill, you guys have been doing a great job, and uh, look forward to the future. And you guys are kind of keeping up to date with all that stuff then, too. It's exciting. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Great to see you, and uh, and, and thanks for the, uh, the, the, the chat and the, uh, and the encouragement. Well, you're welcome. Maybe we'll get together and talk at length sometime in the future then, too. So the Magic Word Podcast, that was Bill Kalush, Scotty Al. We are now into the first official day, which is actually day two of the uh, convention uh, here at the uh, Magic Collector Expo. And we are about to actually head on the, get on the bus and head back to the hotel. We just had a luncheon. This has been fantastic. I, I got Joe Hanasek with me here to talk a little bit about kind of what was happening. If we got a little bit of time, might finish this up again a little bit later. But hello, Joe. Good morning. Good, Good afternoon. Morning. I guess it's yeah, morning. Hi. How are you? <laughs> hi. Thank you. Uh, and so last night we had uh, Jim Hagee talking about uh, some of the Cleveland gang going yes. back in history of magic. Yes, it was really, really fascinating. John, was it John Giardina? Is that how you said the guy's name and all the history? Yeah, yeah. Giardina. No, Giardina. I didn't know uh -huh. how to pronounce it. Giardina. Right, right, something kind of yeah. strange. Uh, and in talking with uh, John Cox about that, he was saying he got a lot out of it because there were some Houdini-related facts with Cleveland that right. he was unaware of. He was going to kind of explore a little bit more with Jim about that. So it was kind of interesting. Might be reading out on his blog sometime soon. And then I thought it was very interesting to hear Sandy Daly talk about being the wife of a magician. Yes, a collector yes. in particular. Yeah, the story about the the mice that were in all the boxes and they ran around the house yeah. and. Well, they, yeah, one of the collections they got had some mice in it, and they yeah got into the house. But seeing the pictures of their house, it just looked like hoarders, right? <laughs> Stuff everywhere and collections and. That's right. And then finally, it was with St. Allen interviewing. Gene Anderson. Yes, right. The paper tear and his history, and he was going to, you know, go be a professor, and then he, you know, got a job with Dow Chemical, and uh, he taught Doug Henning the newspaper tear. So it was really, really a lot of fun to hear him sort of reminisce. It was. It seemed like that. it was just a very. I think it lasted close to forty-five minutes or so, but it went so quickly because it was talking about his whole life. A lot of that, of course, is in his book uh, of um, Gene Anderson, and talking about all that. But the fact that how he had gone to college and wanted. 
planned to be a professor, and then Dow Chemical gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. Basically, I guess right, it was thirty-two right. later. He was thirty-two years later. He's still there. So. Yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was, and uh, so that was uh, kind of wrapping up last evening. Then the dealers were open. Uh, and you're a dealer, so what are you selling as a dealer? Oh, a dealer? I had all kind of stuff. I had some old books, and uh, I put a little thing together about Houdini and Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, fun things I had extra. Sometimes I've got two or something, you know. That's what I was wondering. So it's for yeah. your collection, uh-huh. so you're really not a dealer per se. Right, right. Yeah. Just trying to make room for more stuff, I guess, right? <laughs> so the stuff, the money you make, you're going back right, around the dealers right. and spending it again. Right. I think I'm making room in the basement now. I'm gonna, I've got hope, even more now. You so. hope to be net even, but you may right, not be right. when it's all That's said right. and done. Yeah. Well, anyhow, that was a, a great evening over there. And, uh, yeah, we're going to load up on the bus over here, and we'll finish up with it a little bit later. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. So for the Magic Word Podcast, I'm Joe Hanasek. Got you out. We are now still into day two, and I'm here with one of the organizers, Lance Rich, as we're heading between houses right now. Hello, Lance. Hi, Scott. I would say not even organized. I'm a helping the or- I'm, a, I'm a helpful hand. How about that? <laughs> you are. So I know Bill Smith is kind of the uh, chief cook and bottle That's washer. Right. And is David like his right-hand man, and you're David's right-hand man, or how's this work? I would say David and I are, are, are equally... Okay. Uh, uh, helping Bill any way that we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's really Bill's party. It's really Bill's. Bill is producer. Bill's the organizer. Yeah. Okay. But you guys have been intimately involved since the first one in Minneapolis four years ago. Yeah. So that one, uh, David and Bill were partners on that. Um, and and since then, it it has been Bill's Bill's game. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Because after Minneapolis, then we went to Vegas, and then last year was Austin, and this year here in Cleveland. That's right. And it's been uh, really great. Now, we just finished uh, with the first house. There are, there are buses going back and forth. We're split up into three groups. Explain a little bit about what we're doing as far as the houses and the sure. collections so, we're seeing. So, t- so two, I would say, of the main reasons that we're here in Cleveland, other than Cleveland has a, a huge uh, magic history, uh, you know, the yeah, city Jim itself. Yeah, talked about last night. Correct, great. right. So um, aside from that, there are two outstanding collections that are here in the city, and that is the collection of Tim Legenke, uh, where we're headed now, and the collection of Bruce Averbrook, where we just were. You know, we just came from Bruce's house. And uh, Tim, has, Tim has had two amazing collections, actually, in, in his past. He started as a penny arcade collector, and uh, he's pretty much sold that complete collection, and then he really, like... Turn you know l- latched on to these uh, automatons, and so what we'll see, what we'll see uh, at his house in a bit is a lot of fun. It's a, a automatons and, and some cool displays as well, and then of course Bruce has uh, an amazing collection of, of magic, and you know, and I would say, I mean, Bruce Averbook's collection of magic is is one of the really one of the top collections in the country, if not the world, of of really rare, um, extremely. Um, uh, pieces. I mean, all kinds of ephemera. You yeah, know, and, and extremely and, important. I should say important yeah, pieces. Stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so we just left Bruce's, and now we're headed to Tim's. Well, his house is kind of like a a mini version of David Copperfield's collection. From the standpoint, David has higher ceilings, but uh, here Bruce has turned part of his home into this, and I think that's what's amazing. He actually built a new house and then had the museum design as an attachment to his house it kept getting bigger and bigger right and it's ten thousand square feet of three stories of amazing artifacts i mean and that's that's the that's the museum part yeah 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 Yeah. i mean essentially his house is divided into two two components and you know 
uh, like I joked last night on stage, you know, most of us have, you know, we have a little magic room, a magic attic. We have, you know, that that little, the basement, the, uh, you know. Relegate your magic. Yes, where you you put the magic (laughs) and, and everything. And and it's an I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but it is. You know, you you buy a house that's already built or, or something like that, right. and and you think, well, now I you know if I can fit it there, there's a column there, so I if I wrap a shelf around that column, maybe that works. Not the case with Bruce. Yeah, you know, I mean he has blueprints, and he's had these. I mean he's been working on this for years now, um, where he's had these you know blueprints and revising and tweaking blueprints, you know, and and basically it is half of. What is already a very large house, half of it is is a museum. Is it's not a magic room. It is a museum. You walk in there, and it is it's a museum. I would like to see the other part of the house again. It's a twenty thousand square foot footprint, basically. Like again, half is his, his residence, and the other half this museum. But uh, the the lighting is perfect. He's got a bar down there, and also the steps are along this kind of free floating wall if you will and on both sides are these large posters that are one yeah, that wall that large wall that's a really cool idea yeah because it it sort of anchors that space yes but it allows because it is a three-story wall you know it allows some massive uh, displays of, of this massive these massive posters but it's just a really striking uh, feature when right. you walk in there and, and the lighting and everything then it's yeah. great too and what I thought yeah. was kind of cool was similar to what Copperfield did from the standpoint of having different docents or curators in each of the rooms who were telling us about different things including Kerry Pollock showing some of the stuff that he had built down at the bar mm-hmm. Bill Kalush you know going to the library and showing us the stuff with Mike Caveney and John Cox I mean we just had a lot of people who were, knew a lot about those specific yeah. things that could go into the detail with such loving uh, explanation and detail. It was. It was. And we, but we only had 22 minutes on each floor. Right. Right. <laughs> and and well, two things. I mean, like I uh, I was following one group around, and I, I was there a couple of nights ago as sort of like a precursor yeah. run sort of thing. And uh, so it was fun to follow. And some of the like John Cox wasn't there the other night, and um, but it was fun to uh, Kalush wasn't there the other night. So it was fun to follow these groups around and like you're from. Those experts' like interests, yeah, yeah. From from those experts' interests, telling about something, I heard different things than I heard when Bruce led us around the other night and told, uh, you know, his stories. And, and of course, and they pick out some different items that sure. interest them, and and um, which is so cool. I mean, there's so much on the walls that I mean, probably every expert could come in and tell you something different about. Oh, if this is. You know, uh, Bancroft was the uh, like uh, you know Tim Moore talked about uh, Tim Moore, who is a dentist, mm-hmm. talked about Bancroft, who was a dentist, and yeah. <laughs> and, right. and, and uh, so you know he that appealed to him for those reasons. So um, yes, and and it was kind of cool on most floors. Uh, you, you got uh, like the speed tour uh, with these experts, and then maybe had like three minutes. Yeah, or so a couple of minutes at the end to to go where you wanted to go right. and ask the expert you wanted to ask. Right. Uh, Tell me about this. What's this? What is unique about uh, this collector's convention or expo, which uh, differentiates differentiates itself from other magic conventions, is it's not where you have lectures and shows and whatnot. We have some excellent lectures and performances, though, like which you have done. I know in the past, like talking about the uh, blooming rosebush last year, and, right. and you know Trixie Bond last year, and talking about the history of Texas. It's also unique to each area. Like last evening, again, we talked about the magicians from Cleveland. Last year, we talked about magicians from Texas. And of course, we got to see the uh, Ransom uh, Center last night yeah. or last year at the Houdini uh, Houdini artifacts, basically there in Austin. Yeah. So the Vegas, you, I, I did the Vegas, and the Vegas but, yeah. thing, of course, the Copperfield. Yeah, was was amazing. It was it kind of 
reminds me a little bit of like what you and David have been doing over the years with the Collector's Magic Corner, where people would be highlighted, basically, and they got to show their collection like Terry Evans would and other people who we don't get to go to these places, but they get to come to us through Zoom. So yeah. you guys did a fantastic job, and I congratulated you last year on your uh, fellowship award that you well, got from the you. Academy, and I want to tell you again, I think that was well-deserved because you, you really helped a lot of people You know, every Sunday night with that yeah. amazing show. And if you guys have not seen that, it is on Facebook, and you can go back and see those videos then as well. And uh, if you're interested in history at all, you should be watching it because they yeah. still do that from time to time, I guess. We do. We, in fact, we we have we don't have one scheduled, but we have stu- we have a couple of pre-filmed things that we're that we want to show. Like uh, what has kind of become neat about that too is that like uh, a certain opportunity presents itself, and you're like, well, that's really cool, but you know, like let's why don't we just film it and I mean film that conversation, not unlike what you're doing here, you yeah. know, um, with less frequency than you do it every week, but but uh, but you know some um, so there there's a cool interview that's coming up about. Uh, a magic uh, a magic prop builder who uh, you know I'd say if you're somewhere between the age of um, oh like maybe 45 and 65 you probably owned this guy's collectibles okay. or, well they weren't collectibles at the time, at the time? They, yeah they were the stuff that were they were the high end stuff on the on the magic shop this is, I'm talking about Milson Worth prop yep I got a couple stuff. of those yeah. got a magic yeah. bird cage so, uh, so you're going to learn about Milson Worth I didn't know a lot about it so yeah, yeah. interesting or about them, I should say, the, the product. Well, Lance, even though that you're a helper, you're doing a yeah. great job <laughs> well, in helping thanks. to facilitate us. And that's another thing. This, thing, this does seem to be organized very well from the standpoint of, of, of uh, almost like in military precision. Right. we got certain things have to be done. We just finished a luncheon, which was all part of this. We're on the bus. We're between uh, locations in right now. Yeah. Uh, everything that we're doing, it starts on time. and. Uh, you and uh, David and Bill and everybody who's involved with this have been doing a great job. So I'll, I want to I'll, t- I'll tell you a funny story too. Like you mentioned, it's not like a regular magic convention right. in in many ways. Um, so and about that militant kind of thing. So Lupe Nielsen, military, not militant. <laughs> Lupe Nielsen helped. Um, uh, I mean, she had this idea like how to divide the groups and and stuff. And so she she and David were working on this one thing to really like to make the thing at Bruce's go smoothly and so they came up with this idea to divide with cards and stuff so there was a hearts and diamonds and whatever everybody got a playing card yeah everybody got a playing card and uh and this was a bit of a last minute decision and so they were looking for some playing cards and in a regular magic convention you might be able to you could just go in the dealer room and get some cards just ask anybody or just ask anybody (laughs) and we probably could have asked somebody and they would have had them but anyway so so she went to office max which is walking distance no cards she went to walmart and there were no playing cards at walmart unbelievable um so so and she lance burton ended up driving to bruce's bruce gave him some cards uh, uh, like, I mean, this is like just prior to th- Lance drives up to the hotel at the Porta Cachere. He passes the cards off to me like it's a drug deal. <laughs> and I, I run in to give them to David so we can like sort them out. Sort them out. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That is funny. That's yeah. funny. So even some last minute things are taking. Yes. You yeah. know, it's kind of like, again, everything is looking like a duck across the water, but underneath you're battling furiously. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. You're making it look uh, wonderful and I'm having a great time and so is everybody else. And if you're not here this year, you should try to come next year. Not sure where it's going to be yet, but uh, we'll let you know. Thanks again, Lance. I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, Scott. Great job. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that's Lance Rich. Scotty out.
Okay, so we're now over at uh, Tim Leganke's house, and we've uh, seen a lot of amazing uh, mechanical things that are going on around here. And uh, I'm talking right now with Neil Rosam. Hey there, Neil. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic, and it's uh, good to hear you. I've been talking to you in a while. We've been emailing back and forth. But you used to work at this, uh, what was the name of the place? Euclid Beach Amusement Park. It was on the shores of Lake Erie in Cleveland, Ohio. It closed in 1969 after being opened since about 1895. And Tim has a collection here that includes a roller coaster car from the racing coaster at Euclid Beach. The racing coaster was built in 1913 and closed after the end of the season in 1969. Now, I worked in the park during this, the final season of operation, and we got a 10-minute break every hour, so I always carried a watch with me, and it happened to be a pocket watch, the only watch I owned. It was just a cheap watch that I'd won in the contest. And during the course of the summer, that watch was in and out of my pocket numerous times during the day. Once I dropped it on the ground and put a little dent in the side of it. The second time I dropped it on the ground and it rolled into the water on a water ride that I was working on. Well, I fished it out of the water. I thought this watch is never going to work right again. But surprisingly, it kept perfect time all summer long. Well, the park closed forever on September 28, 1969. When it closed, a group of us went out to eat at after the park closed at 7 p.m. that night. And when we were at the restaurant, one of the guys asked me what time it was. I pulled out my pocket watch, looked at it, and said, it's 7 p.m. I said, wait a minute, that can't be right. That's the time we closed the park. So I tried winding it, nothing happened. I tried shaking it, nothing happened. When I got home that night, I pried the back off of the watch, and the mainspring had broken at 7 p.m., the exact same time the park closed forever. That is a Twilight Zone episode right there. Is that amazing? What a story. Neil, thanks for sharing. Sure, Scott. <laughs> That's amazing. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Neil Rosam. Uh, here at Tim Leganke's house. Scotty out. We just got back from the bus tours of the uh, Tim Leganke's and also with Bruce Everbach's uh, collection. And they were phenomenal. And it was just so very well run. And it was kind of cool also that we had uh, Diego... Uh, who was it? I believe who was doing some close-up then as well. From Costa Rica. Costa Rica, right. Yeah. Right. Which, uh, you know, kind of added to the, the fun and the flavor of that uh, as well. Uh, Regas, I think it was. Vegas. Very good. In fact, he's one of the Magic Castle, I think, from here. Uh, but anyhow, I thought we'd talk a little bit here with Les because you have been involved. I've talked with you before, of course, uh, at length about the Long Beach Mystics and everything. And you've been coming to the Collectors for a long time. Did you go to the Collectors back when it was in Los Angeles in that time? No, I uh, was working full time and didn't have the time off, but uh, I did attend three of them. They were every other year. Mm -hmm. My uncle talked at one. We did the Leon Pillory at another, and I forget what the uh, event was that I happened to was able to make it. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I only made three of them. And by the way, you just alluded to your uncle, and for those who don't know, it's the great Leon was your uncle, right? No, the great There's Leon was my grandfather, grandfather sorry. my mom's dad, and Leon. M. Leon uh, was um, my grandfather's son, mm -hmm. and he was active in uh, the local, uh, you know, SAM 22 in Hollywood, uh, Ring 21, and a charter member of the uh, Magic Castle. He was, uh, I think his uh, membership number is like number 70 or something. He was a life Early, member. Yeah. 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 Well, as for this convention, what have you seen or enjoyed, or what's been a highlight for you so far? 
Well, every, everything. Um, Bill's put together a great convention. Uh, the last one was in Austin. Had some great shows and uh, entertainment as well as things to see, as well as when he was in Las Vegas. I saw that one. We toured uh, David Copperfield's um, uh, collection, which is fabulous. And, of course, like you just mentioned, uh, Tim and Bruce's collections here have been uh, breathtaking. It's beyond uh, your imagination uh, of what these guys have um, in what they call their private home, which you go, holy smokes, this is more than a private home. <laughs> it is amazing. And uh, the, the stuff that Bruce had particularly put together about how the day had designed the whole the house and everything, uh, and as I understand it, they were still hanging a few pictures as of a week ago and just kind of putting some final touches on all this. So, And he still had another whole room. It's like, well, we don't have time to go to this other one, but it's not all put together yet. Well, it's beyond your imagination. There's there's so much. I mean, there was a poster, a great Leon poster of my grandfather uh, that he had, as well as the Leon Pillory. And then, of course, uh, it's breathtaking. I'm standing there looking at these guys from vaudeville days that uh, are the world's greatest. And it just so happened I'm standing next to Lance Burton, who on probably one TV special, more people saw him than all these other guys put together. So uh, you know, I'm say that kind of a wise ass, but you know, uh, you're, you're among greats. Pretty much. That's the truth. And speaking of great Leon, uh, before we close right here, I know that Chip Romero is going to be presenting, uh, Leon's haunted house as part of a presentation. I think a midnight thing we're going to be doing in Houston. If you sign up for the TAOM early, uh, you should get a lot of great uh, talents going to be there, but Chip's going to be one of the people. And I know he was wanting to buy that one of yours. And I guess he got one from somebody else finally. So, right. I, uh, <laughs> I decided I wanted to hang on to the one because it belonged to my grandfather and, um, and all of that. And he got a good deal, I guess, on the one that he bought. So, you know, um, it's a... But the effect a is, for people who don't know what we're talking about in the haunted house. Uh, it, he would tell a story of this little haunted house. It looked like a dollhouse. Matter of fact, when they manufactured them and put them on the market, they were a dollhouse that up into uh, the late 1950s, you could still buy that same dollhouse in a toy store, hmm. which I happened to have seen one when I was... Uh, you know, in um, a toy store uh, in my neighborhood. And sure enough, it was this, the same uh, little house that they uh, would take the back off of it. And my uncle would modify the pieces. And uh, then they would be all the tricks that, you know, were done with it. And mm -hmm. a quick synopsis, they would tell a horror story of a murder that took place in the, the house and all the different ghost things uh, that would perform from, a, uh, you know, putting some a chain in there and it would link and then you had a, uh, a glass of milk you'd put in there and it would go down you'd put a hammer in there and it would pick up and tap and answer questions yes or no one tap for yes two taps for no a bell that would you know get up and ring and a number of tricks like that that um, were, were part of the routine uh, John Carney also did a routine many years ago with the haunted house he had a, a his, his own you know uh, take on it, which was a very good uh, deal. And so I look forward to see uh, Chip Romero's uh, routine. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great. Well, Les, thanks very much. Glad you're enjoying this convention. There are so many people we could talk to over here. <laughs> what do we have? About 180 people, I think, who are registered for this convention. And everyone has amazing stories that they can tell. I wish we just had a lot more time throughout the whole convention to talk to a lot more people. But thank you very much, Les, for your time. Appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, and I wish you all the best. Uh, same to you. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Les Arnold. Scotty out. 
this evening we just wrapped up with uh, all of the activities for this evening in the final session for Wednesday. This is the second day. And the first thing uh, we had was with Richard Cohen, who had given us just... Uh, you were first up, I think, weren't you first up? Yeah, in this the evening's first one, this evening of the show three of us, yep. that came up. And he it was amazing, because he comes on playing an accordion up the middle aisle. And it's one of those things that people will certainly remember uh, and be talking about. We I hope think. so. Well, I hope so then, too. <laughs> and then uh, you talk about uh, someone who is a little known. Uh, and and uh, he ought Roltair. to be better known. Now should be better known. Funny thing is that you talk about, and where he is, here's Richard Cohen. Hey, Richard. Hey, I'm good, Scott. <laughs> Awfully good to see you. Uh, you too, always good you. to see you, Scott. You yeah, always, sure. You're a handsome man, I tell you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> no, you are. So what uh, I wanted to share with you was uh, about um, uh, McKinvin, uh, because I had yes. first, uh, first met him uh, when I was at one of my, it was the first IBM Second IBM convention, I think I'd attended back. Mm-hmm. I think it was a year that uh, in, in uh, Louisville when Lance Burton had won uh, the gold medal, and I was walking back to my hotel room, and that's when I met uh, Richard uh, McKin- John, McKin- John, John McKinnon. John McKinnon. Yep. And he introduced myself, and, and uh, I, th- I think. It seemed like I had a car, so I gave him a ride, and he gave me, I've got that, that manuscript okay, from cool. Rolltair from back then. And I just kind of said, well, thank you. And, he, and I kept up with him. He gave me some other stuff, so I've got a little what? book, you know, a little book on my bookshelf, a couple of things, you know, that he'd given me. But what a nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. It's funny. The title of my thing was Rolltair Revisited, yeah. which I've seen some of his correspondence after he wrote the piece. Mm-hmm. And that was something that he kind of had talked about doing himself because that, little pamphlet that you referred yes. to yeah that was his revisiting from something he'd done in like 1977 oh, okay. at a magic yeah. collector's thing yeah then he came back to it again mm-hmm. and it i was enjoying it I think, or so, yeah. maybe a little later later okay and then as well, maybe, i say maybe what he gave me was the one that was from 77 maybe it was his first one maybe the, i don't know one. i haven't seen the earlier okay. one but then uh, uh when mike and george got the Egyptian Hall collection. They had this big auction, and I wound up getting this little catalog of Roll Tear and Goldberg. And mm-hmm. I was always interested in magic shops and magic dealers. But sure. as the years went by, and my interest in Coney Island and Brooklyn increased, Roll Tear kept popping up. He was a an assistant to Alexander Herman for right. years when Billy Robinson was there. Then he had these wonderful exhibitions at. Right. Uh, World's fairs and amusement parks, maybe the greatest illusion ride uh, impresario of all time. Hmm. And yet uh, the people he was associated with and who knew him, like Houdini and Alexander Herman, we recognize them today. Right, right. Even if you don't know Herman's name, you know what he looked like, sure. the devil incarnate, so to speak. <laughs> but Roltaire, once again, is a name, even though... His patent inventions are still in use, it's like Disney World. Like you had said about how that uh, they queue up for the line. They kind of right. had the serpentine lines that, yes. they, that he started back right. then. And yeah, moving people through some of his amusement attractions, yeah. like Creation. Yeah. And he was friends with the guys from Luna Park, Thompson and Dundee. Mm-hmm. And once again, at like the Omaha Exposition in 1900, all the magicians... Mm-hmm many of whom later on went on with things with motion pictures right. and other theatrical enterprises, they all crossed paths around right. that time. It's fascinating. I'm always fascinated by Coney Island. I know that you were kind of the king of Coney Island as far as I was just there last week. We just had a big convention for the first time, <laughs> okay. the Coney Island Conjurers Convention. Oh, is that right? Yeah, just right at the corner of Surf Avenue in West How many Rome. people attended that one? Well, it was the first year. It was kind of loose. They only had about 50 or 60 folks. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. going to do it again. Okay. And they had a great show and... 
uh, Ken Weber did a great lecture okay. based on his books and his experience. So people might want to go next year. Where do they go to the their website or something? Yes, or? well, Coney Island, USA. So okay. I think they'll do another convention next year. Okay. Check out Coney Island, USA. They have a lot of other things. The Congress of Curious People, yeah. kind of associated with the sideshow. Was there some one thing perhaps today at the, uh, the Bruce Aver Books collection that mm. happened to resonate with you that might have been a Coney Island thing or something from some other magician that you thought, oh, I'd be interested in studying this, or I well, haven't seen this before. Yeah, it was, was a phenomenal. Yeah, there were several <laughs> things, but there's one that tied in with my presentation this evening. When I looked at it, mm-hmm. it was a little tiny ad for Charles Devere when he had his magic shop in London. I didn't get to talk so much about it today, but uh, I mentioned that William Selig, a motion picture yeah. pioneer, yeah. was Roltaire's brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Selig's, uh, Selig had a place in California called Selig Zoo, and the, one of the premier lion tamers, actually the guy who ran the zoo for him, was Herman Whedon, who was married to Devere's daughter. Devere from Ionia. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Great coming together Paris there. magic dealer. <laughs> yeah. So once again, all these people knew one another. Yeah. So in finding out from a great grandnephew of Selig through people who were interested in motion picture history, mm-hmm. they found out that he was the brother-in-law of Henry Roltaire. Mm-hmm. And then like we showed the letter from Houdini to Houdini from Selig yeah. just like two or three years later. And Roltaire's daughter, Helen, was living with Selig in Chicago mm-hmm. with her aunt. Wow. So once again... All these people knew everybody. These were famous. I showed that photograph with, like, you know, yes. Bamberg and Thurston and Ellison. They're all sitting in that room. Everybody in that yeah. room knew, knew each other. Voltaire yeah. and knew one another. And, but but once became, again, yeah. he's a mystery now. Yeah. And well, why did he die all the way out there? It wasn't even a state at the time. It was California. the o- yeah. Oklahoma Territory. California was not known as California. It was the Oklahoma Territory back in 1910. Well, no. California was California. But the, some of the other places were not states yet, like Oklahoma. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. California was, but there was this kind of gap in between mm-hmm. until the population was big enough to vote for statehood. I don't know all the yeah. political ramifications, mm-hmm. but it was Oklahoma Territory. It was not right. even the state of Oklahoma right. at that time. It right. was wow. way out Fascinating. there. Fascinating. Well, I'd love I, to talk with you about film because Always I know that pleasant. is really what your uh, specialty That's is. my specialty. And I yeah. love film. I watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV. I love I the old ones. Oh, I do too. I, yeah. I was just uh, telling someone recently how I loved uh, Nightmare Alley and why I was comparing that with the original one, I think oh, it was yeah. 1936, and it's on YouTube that you yes, can watch. I've watched both. Which yes, I would, yes, I, and and that, it gives me goosebumps thinking about both, particularly like the new one. I just thought the cinematography was absolutely uh, wonderful that yes. Guillermo del Toro had done. Yes. Uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, but then when you go back and see the first, the first early one, one is great it film. is great and a little bit different ending and everything. Yes. So I'd recommend to people to go back and ch- uh, take a look. At I that. agree with you, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go and those back are kind of things I, I love comparing. Those kind, of, I, we could sit and talk for a lot longer about this. Richard, thanks very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks Scott. for the uh, presentation today as well. Always good My seeing pleasure. you. Ditto. <laughs> for, the, for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Richard Cohen, Scotty out.